We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. We all want to create an incredibly memorable educational experience for students in ways that help mold them as human beings. But how often do we actually sit back, think about, and reflect on how we accomplish that? Hey everyone, Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this week I talked to Bob Silvera, who has all kinds of fantastic ideas about relationships, fun, and memorable experiences. Now this just isn't about ignoring content and not getting anything done in the classroom, but what it is about is building relationships with students and still holding expectations and being accountable. He talks about how to do this through modeling and then goes on to the idea of liking teachers and respecting teachers and what that difference is. Because when you have any type of student talking about the fact that they like a teacher, that could happen just because a classroom is fun. But when they say they respect a teacher, that's because that teacher is actually doing something for them towards the greater goal of being successful once they leave the school. A lot of this is about perspective, and Bob takes the time to explain that what we're doing in classrooms, when students are active, when there's productive noise, it's orderly, but there's productive noise. When that's occurring, that takes precedent over meetings, over the other administrative tasks that people are doing, because that is where memories are created. So this episode is a lot about communication, trust, and relationships. And Bob does a great job of showing how leaders can support, engage, and empower their teachers to use these techniques and strategies to create that memorable experience. But don't take it from me. Let's listen to Bob Silvera on Scene to Lead. You're a leader and you lead people. You need feedback from those people, from the boots on the ground of how it's going and what you could do differently to make it better for them. I always say the same thing. We, we come here to provide the best we can, not only for the students, but for the teachers and for the families. And so, listen, that, that's the key. Ask questions of, of all those stakeholders. Listen to what they have to say and adjust based on what they tell you. Dr. 
Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Bob Silvera is currently the principal of Joseph Case Junior High School. He has been there for 13 years, and this caps off almost a 30-year career in education. He was named the 2014 Massachusetts Principal of the Year. And I personally, and this is one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to Bob today, because he's, first of all, an absolutely fantastic leader. But I've personally presented a couple of times with him with Ignite presentations at a state conference. One of the also one of the things that I really need to mention about Bob is that He's currently the principal, like I said, at Joseph Case Junior High School of the first ever nationally awarded junior high school for the Special Olympics. That's North America, folks. And that just goes to show how much Bob focuses on relationships, inclusion, and giving everybody a sense of belonging in his organization. So, Bob, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Thanks very much for having me. This is going to be a great conversation, but I definitely wanted to get it right out of the gate and talk about your 30, almost 30 years in education, as we were talking before. And if you could just give the listeners a little bit of what brought you to education, why did you decide to go into education and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm a proud graduate of the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And, you know, when I went there, I was really interested in getting into the biological field and more than anything, you know, I like wildlife biology and that sort of thing. So so I actually majored in zoology when I was there. And when I graduated, you learn in short order that this finding jobs in those sorts of fields are not the easiest thing in the world. And so, you know, then I figured, well, what better way to share the knowledge that you've acquired in something that you love, which is, you know, again, biology, more than that, the wildlife biology piece of it all, than to teach other children. And I had grand ideas of creating, you know, a lot of outdoor and wildlife programs and things like that at the school. So, so I came right back here to Swansea where I had gone to this middle school that I work at now in Joseph Case High School that I graduated from. And, you know, I did what a lot of people did. I started, you know, as a substitute teacher working in different classes and things like that and biding my time for when one of those positions opened, you know, teaching the sciences. And sure enough, lo and behold, as we, after a couple of years went by, there was an opportunity to teach some biology and a little bit of general science going back probably to 1994 now, I think. And, you know, so I jumped in at that. I had the opportunity to work with some great people that I learned a ton from. One, you know, some of my own teachers that I had there were working there at the time. And so I started to work with them, and learned a lot from them. And I spent 10 years there at Case High School teaching biology and chemistry and general science. And actually jumped ship for a couple of years, and I went to work at Tiverton High School across the border here in Rhode Island for two years chemistry, which it turns out was a great experience for me, too, because it's really the only experience I have working anywhere but here in Swansea. And after just two years there, I got the call from my good friend Brian McCann at Case High School, who was looking for an assistant principal. 
And I had finished the leadership program at that time, you know, had the certification. And I guess maybe I was kind of waiting for an opportunity like that to come up as well. So, you know, he called and I answered. I got the pleasure of working over there with him for four years as assistant principal before I moved over here to the position that I've currently held for quite some time. That's fantastic. Now, quite the journey, you and you did step outside of where you are now for a couple of years. But as you were a substitute, a, you know, a teacher, an AP, you, you've come up through the ranks, so to speak. What is it that you're passionate about in education now that you're at this point in your career? Like, what gets you up in the morning? I think that what we, again, some of the people that I learned from back then is what we want to do here is, you know, create an experience for students. That's memorable. That's the work that we do and what we talk to teachers about all the times. We're going to learn the lessons that we need to learn. And, and, you know, if it's math and science and, you know, take care of the standards and those types of things. We do that work here and I feel like that happens. But what do we really want to do? And what we want to do is, you know, create an educational experience and an experience outside the classroom that helps mold students. We want to create something that's memorable to them. So that when they're done with their time here, their three short years at Case Junior High School, they remember us. Not next year or the year after, but they remember us as being people who were looking out for them and provided good opportunities for them, you know, when they're 54 years old like I am. Certainly, you can think back and remember positive experiences you had. I can think back and remember middle school experiences that I had, good and bad. And we just want to make sure that there's a lot of good mixed in with some that might be a challenge. So now that's, I love the idea that you say create a memorable educational experience for students that they can bring with them outside of the classroom. There's a lot that goes into that. That's a big umbrella. So how do you as a leader support your teachers in being able to do something like that or engage them in being able to do something like that? Because that's a step away from the norm. Sure. And it isn't about, you know, it's easy to do that in the extracurricular activities. And we have a lot of those just across the way from where I am. They're rehearsing for a production of Peter Pan, right? Which is automatically something that those children will remember forever, right? That's not an experience that they're going to forget. That's fine. But what about the classroom? And so, you know, we talk about lesson planning and we talk about, you know, having lessons that engage students, right? Put it in the hands-on, putting in the discussion piece of it. Because when we're talking about that positive educational experience, a big piece of that is I don't want to say, you know, I love my English class, but I don't like math and I don't like science and I don't like social studies. If we can create these fun activities for kids that are then subsequently fun for teachers on a day-to-day basis, not only once a week, not only a couple times a week or on a Friday, but if we can create those experiences for students that are engaging, and yeah, dare I say, use the word fun more often than they're not. Those are the types of things that they're going to remember. And so I like the idea that you use the word fun, because sometimes we get away from the idea of fun, and especially as students get older, right? We talk about schools and experience, and we leave that word fun out. How do you encourage teachers or empower them to create those kind of lessons, or empower students to be able to lend their voice to the creation of those lessons so that lessons are fun. They're more hands-on, they're outside of the classroom type of things. Well, one thing for sure, Dr. Jones, we got to model this, right? So, so if I'm having, if I'm calling teachers to meetings and then, you know, the meeting is boring and the meeting is not engaging teachers, then I might as well forget it, right? So, so we have to build that into what we do. So we don't let 
uh, faculty meeting time. We don't let professional development time go by without adding some element of fun for the teachers. And they've become so used to it now that they look forward to it. Right? They don't look forward to the time or look forward to the meeting or the professional development, but they want to know what that fun piece of it is going to be. So they at least show up with that sense of excitement of, I wonder what we're going to do today as part of what we need to learn. Right. And so when we go to the classrooms and that doesn't exist, then it's our job to suggest to the teachers and say, hey, you know, when the students were coming in, we just got started and it wasn't, you know, we didn't let them know what types of activities we were going to be doing. And we didn't let them know where that fun piece of the lesson was going to be, because if they're showing up every day looking for where's the fun piece, they're probably going to attend to the other pieces as well. So, so yeah, we have to sometimes have conversations and the conversation might be what, you know, I was in a class today and I was with the thing. And honestly, the class is boring. You know, where's the fun piece? Of it? And how is it that we can add something to make this more engaging for the students, to make it something that they're going to remember tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, 10 years from now? I'm glad you said that because it reminded me and people couldn't see me smiling, but it reminded me of something that occurred with me. And this is going to be a great segue into something that I definitely want to talk to you about, because this type of work takes communication and it takes ongoing, consistent communication. The idea that you walk into a teacher's classroom and afterwards, when you're talking to them, you say, well, it was boring. You don't have to answer this if you don't want, although you probably will. Have you ever had a teacher tell you that about a staff meeting and then adjust accordingly? Yeah, sure. Right. And if that, that, that can happen, right, because we're always looking for feedback, you know, mostly in that from, you know, members of our leadership team here who sometimes participate in the plan. But, yeah, you're not going to win them all. Nobody's batting a thousand. Here. But sometimes I think they're really fun and really engaging. And they say, yeah, that was none of those things. You know, and you, that, you live and learn. Same t- the teacher does it every day. Right. The teacher, the lesson we can put our heart and soul into planning a lesson that we think is and then it doesn't work out very well. But where is that student feedback? Where are they able to say, that didn't work out for me? You know, I didn't find it engaging and I didn't find it fun. Maybe next time we can do this. And that student voice that you mentioned is certainly part of that. Yeah, most definitely. I remember with walking staff meetings, because every once in a while I like to have a walking staff meeting. I have a teacher that said to me, Chris, I just want to set and get at the end of a day at a staff meeting, you have to stop having us do activities. <laughs> so we get, you know, that whole idea, you're never going to bat a thousand. We get all kinds of different types of feedback. But to cap that off, what you just said, that's a perfect example of the modeling, right? You allow teachers to say something like that to you. And you show through accepting that, one, that it's okay to communicate that way. But two, that you'll adjust accordingly because our perceptions are different which lends to the idea of relationships. So you and I had spoken before I hit record today about relationships and the importance of relationships. Can you tell the listeners your idea of the importance of relationships and what role they play in supporting, engaging, and empowering people in schools? Yeah, it's the, you know, we say it a lot, but it is the most important thing. Right. We bring students in, you know, take a seventh grade student and it's coming into science class. You know, right from the beginning of the school year, we need to build relationships. We need to work on relationships with those children so that they understand that the teacher is there for them. 
right? Looking out for them, trying to meet their needs. And, you know, again, you always hear the saying that says, you know, without the effective, proper relationship, then it's going to be difficult for the students to learn. And I think that's true. So, you know, we work from day one of the school year on building relationships, you know, so that the students come and they see somebody standing in front of them who has their best interest in mind, somebody who's looking out for them, somebody who's going to help them through the good times and bad times, you know, just to get to the end of the year, having learned all of the standards is not what this is all about. Get to the end of the year, having learned all of the standards and the things you're supposed to learn, but also to learn, you know, about each other and find a way to get through it all. We, we talked about earlier, right? We're trying to create the best educational experience we can. And that's going to be much better if we do it with people that we have a positive relationship with than if it's, we go through it with somebody that, you know, we don't like or that we would rather not be around. Right. If I'm the teacher, I want the students excited to come to my class every single day. That's 180 days when they, I want them to say, I can't wait to go to science class. And the best teachers we have here, that's what they do. I know who they are. And if you ask the students who they are, what their favorite class is, they always answer the same thing. And it's because of a teacher who they believe is looking out for their best interest, who cares about them. And it, it goes to absolutely the same way to the teachers. The positive relationships that, you know, myself and assistant principal Greg Kelly here build with them go a long way toward making everything run smoothly here. Because if we have people who we have positive relationships with, kind of as we said before, they don't mind coming to tell us that went bad. Why did you do this? People are talking about this, and I think we need to change this. And when you have that, those good relationships and that trust is another big word, right? then you can have those honest conversations and know that what you said is going to have a positive effect. So looking at it from, you talked about the students saying that those are their favorite teachers over and over again. The teachers that that build those relationships and focus on that first with the students and the idea of fun. Is there an issue with teachers building relationships in the situation where they're still not learning the content or they say they're not learning the content and they're worried about that piece so that teachers are hesitant to do that part. And if they are hesitant to do that part, how do you help them get over that hump with that concern? Because sometimes it almost, there's a concern that it becomes a popularity contest, right? Teacher's favorite teacher is the, our kid's favorite teacher is the teacher that's the most fun or they have the most fun in their class. How do you bridge that gap for teachers to realize that it's not necessarily a popularity contest because it can be fun and subject matter based? Right. And I think 100% it can't just be fun, right? It's not, there is content that has to be learned. And, you know, I think that the students who know and the greatest amount of respect for the teacher comes with those who establish expectations. They have high standards and they still build the relationships and they still have fun, right? So you're accountable here and I'm accountable here. We're going to get along really well and we're going to learn a real, I think those are the key messages. And you do, you will always run into those who say, yeah, my job here is simply to teach. I don't have a whole bunch of time to do that other stuff. I got all these standards I have to cover the thing. And then, Excuse me, to me, that feels like spinning your wheels because you're just not going to get 
as much out of the students, right? They need to like and respect the teacher. That's the key piece, I think, the respect piece. And students who aren't held accountable are probably not going to have the respect piece of that. They'll have the like piece. They'll have a lot of fun. But I don't think they're going to respect somebody who they don't believe is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they know. They students know. know. Every single uh, Absolutely. And, you know, just to make sure everybody heard that, because I think that's such an important distinction, is like and respect. And while if all you do is have fun, you may be liked, well-liked, but you won't be respected by the students. That's right. I think that's, I think that's powerful. Yeah, we have sixth graders here as our lowest grade level. And as you mentioned just a couple of weeks ago, they know what the job of the teacher is and they know what the teacher is supposed to be doing. So if you can teach me a lot, We'll have a lot of fun and let me believe that you care about me. That's where the respect piece of that comes from. And I think in my high school days, it was even more important because high school students certainly know what the teacher should be doing. So to be able to work with students, sometimes difficult students, to get the most out of them while still holding up those relationships is how you earn, I think, respect as a teacher. And the same thing from the administrator, from the principal's point of view, right? I get everybody like me if I let them do whatever they want, right? And But where does the respect come in? Because they're looking for somebody to guide them. And so you need to not only be having some fun, building relationships, but you need to be guiding them to what you believe is the right thing for them to be doing in the classroom with their kids. And that's where the respect piece comes in. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So we've talked about the idea of relationships, fun, memorable experience, but high standards, accountability. We said a lot of those things and you've explained them well. Let's take a just a little bit of a journey, mental journey for a second. I walk into your perfect school. What's that look like? What do I see? What does it feel like? What's going on? Yeah, great. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes you can visualize that. So so if you come in, and you're welcome to stop by anytime you like. <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that. We go back to Swansea. It's kind of a nice place. It's, a, it's We work in a building that's almost 100 years old. It's got, a, it's got a nice story behind it that I won't take time to tell. But if you come in here, what you want to see is, you know, smiling children, right? What you want to see is adults who are, you know, calling students by name. Right. You want to see the students being fairly orderly today in the halls, but, you know, smiles on the faces, being recognized by name, you know, 
saying hello to adults as they pass by, right? So that it kind of shows that the adult-student relationship, you know, is there. Uh, today, just this morning, we had again, an old building. We had a meeting going on. And there's a science classroom right next door. We don't have a lot of meeting space. It is real loud. I don't know what they were doing in the science classroom. I never did stop in. And at first, it agitated me a little bit because the meeting was going on. And then I thought to myself, the meeting really is secondary to the fun these these children are obviously having doing their science activity right next door, right? So you want to hear that. Not craziness, but you want to hear engagement in the classroom, which means it's not quiet. You hear discussion. You hear, you know, students talking with each other, talking with the teacher, calling out answers, you know, those types of things. So the school is not the old school of we better be quiet in there. We don't really want it to be quiet. We want it to be orderly. But we want to hear the life and the excitement in the students and in the classroom. So I think if you come in and you see that and you hear that, I don't think it's hard to understand in fairly short order what type of school you've entered. There's definitely a feel of schools when you walk in them. You can tell the culture and the climate right away when you go in after just a couple seconds in the door. Something you said there is really important. The meetings are secondary to what's going on in the school. And sometimes it's almost as if we as leaders have to take that step back. I really liked how you explained it. You know, at first you were a little annoyed because it was noisy and you were trying to get the meeting. But until you adjusted your perspective and once you did that, you realize that the noise didn't matter and it becomes more of what's important in recentering. Do you think there's any way we can help people better understand how to do that, how to adjust their perspectives so that the meetings are more, are the second most important thing as opposed to the most important? I almost wish somebody had asked me, Hey, that classroom there is kind of loud, right? <laughs> and I would have said, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not sure what they're doing, but it sure sounds like they're having a lot of fun over there and learning a lot. But yeah, that's an important perspective, right? What is it we're trying to do here? We're not, we don't want children sitting in rows quietly. That's not what it's all about. And I realize you have to have the meetings because a lot of times the meetings are to ensure the success of an individual student or to help a family understand what it is we're trying to do. So the meetings do have an importance, but the goal of school here, the goal of middle school is to build human beings, right? Who can step by step, grade by grade, get better at being human beings. Not get better at math and get better at English. Those things are going to happen. But we really want them to get better at the important things, the really important parts of life. You know, that's relationships and care and those types of things. Fantastic. Well, we're getting near the end of the podcast, and there's two questions I ask every person that comes on. The first one is, if you weren't a leader, who, not what, would you be? Yes, that last part of it again. Who would I be or what would I be? Is that what you mean? Who, not what, would you be? Yeah, I've always had the, you know, the answer to the question is mountain men. That's who I would be. <laughs> there you go. Well, I kind of figured with the outdoor piece and things like that. I'm ready to move off the grid, I think, and, you know, live in, the, live in the mountains for a while. And I think that's what I always wanted to do. And, you know, who knows, maybe three or four or five years from now, that can be a part of life, a bigger part of life. Anyway. Now, what is it about that's attractive to you? I don't know, the peace and tranquility of it, right? I, we've always, we've, 
it's never gone away since those early days and, you know, being outdoors and I'm not a hunter or anything like that. I've never been able to do that. But we've always liked, you know, camping and fishing and being outside. I have two sons and they've always done those things with me. I would be in being away from the main street. I don't need to go a million miles away, but the peace and tranquility of that and the more time to just, you know, take in everything that's out there. I think is what attracts me most. I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I agree with you 100%. I'm originally from Oregon. And Oregon is interesting because the further east you go, the more, you know, less populated it is. And uh, just something about the outdoors and in the vast landscape or even in an overgrown forest type of setting, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's because, one, the peace and tranquility or to the feeling of just the massiveness around you that we often forget in our own little worlds as we move about and busy, when we stop and just look at how the world we live in actually is and how it can be. I think it might be part of that for me as well. And I wonder if it's not, if some of it isn't innate, right? So I watch a lot of these, I like to watch these shows, these wilderness shows, right? So you get the, uh, one, of, one of them is alone, right? Mm-hmm. So they take people to remote locations and they leave them to survive on their own. And, you know, when you watch it, there's something in you that says, yeah, I don't have those survival techniques or anything like that, but I don't know. There's something about, put me on there. Let, let me see. And you always, the people, and the, the other ones, you know, that is mountain men and, you know, life below zero and those types of people, you know, people who live in a, and they all say the same thing. I have to do this because there's something in my soul here that requires me to be in the wilderness. And whatever that something is, I have. Well, there you go. Because when you do go and get, you know, and I live in a place where it's not surrounded by wilderness per se, but there's a lot of woods and I have an area that I can go walk in the woods anytime I want. And I do it because it's, there's something in me that needs to do it. Well, that's, that's good that you know that. That's good self-awareness. Yeah. My wife needs to go to the beach. I need to go to the woods. I don't know. Maybe you can find a beach that's surrounded by woods. Yeah, the, you know, the, there's a, on my mantle at home, there's a picture frame that somebody gave me. And it, it's a picture of some mountains in New Hampshire and my son. And it goes from, I think it was John Muir, who said, you know, the mountains are calling and I have to go. Yeah, yeah, it's about right. Sometimes that happens to me. So the last question is, I mean, you've said a lot about climate and culture of a building with relationships and having fun, all working towards that memorable experience. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve each day? Right. Again, it goes back to the relationships. And I think, you know, voice of the people that you lead is the most important. If you're a teacher and you're not you know, looking for feedback from the students that you teach, then you're missing out on a piece of it. And so, so if you're a leader and you lead people, you need feedback from those people, from the boots on the ground of how it's going and what you could do differently to make it better for them. I always say the same thing. We come here to provide the best we can, not only for the students, but for the teachers and for the families. And so, listen, that, that's the key. Ask questions of all those stakeholders. Listen to what they have to say and adjust based on what they tell you. And I don't know that there's any way you can lose if you do that. 
Well, thanks, Bob. You know, you've said a lot of good things today. If somebody wants to get in touch with you or follow up with you or anything like that, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, the Swansea School's website is there and my email address is listed there. I won't go over that today. At Twitter, it's pretty simple. Bob Sill 42 B-O-B-S-I-L-4-2. You can send me a message there. And if there's anybody who wants to engage with any of this or talk about anything, I'm always glad to do that. I, we mentioned before we started recording, we spent a long time, you know, talking about schools and leadership and those types of things. And it's kind of another thing that I like to do. So anybody who wants to engage with any of that, I would be happy to engage in. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, Dr. Jones, the you know, we're, we have a lot to do with Special Olympics and unified sports. So the only other piece of that I would say, if there's anybody interested in, you know, starting up a unified program or getting into the unified schools program through Special Olympics here in Massachusetts at the middle school level or at any level, really, I might be able to help with that too. And we're always interested in bringing schools along into those programs if they don't have those programs yet. And I think that's fantastic. So it was national award and everybody came down to your school, right? Yeah, the, the and was it for program participation? Was it Special Olympics of recognizes schools, and I think you know this as unified champion schools to meet some criteria that they put forth. But they also have a national program through Special Olympics of North America. And if, if you add a few pieces to that unified puzzle, then the school could be recognized as a national band of school. And I think that's been limited to high schools up until this year where we applied and, you know, they, they like the programs that we have here very much. And what is it based on? You know, the unified sports programs that we have is just a piece of it. The other thing that they look for is whole school engagement. Do we have everybody here engaged in being unified and inclusion, inclusive leadership? You know, we have a group here that we call Case Cardinals Camp that's started by our school counselors. And it's just about engaging everybody to include we bring in everybody and they kind of just do activities of kindness, you know, community service and giving. And, you know, I think the Special Olympics people are really impressed with that program that we have here as well. You know, that's the whole school engagement piece of it that we put together. here. That's fantastic. And it just shows your words in action where you talk about a memorable experience and the idea that, you know, all means all, right? So everybody deserves to belong. Everybody needs to belong. And you're making that happen on every level possible. I just think, you know, hat tip to you and your whole school over there for doing something like that. We ran it down in, in for them. And, you know, we have students with intellectual disabilities who participate in band, chorus, drama production that they're rehearsing for right across the way from here today. We, National Junior Honor Society, there's nothing here that... Anybody is, we say, no, you can't be in. Everybody can be in everything. And that pays big dividends. And we talk to the kids a lot about that. We talk to the kids a lot about what can you do to send somebody home at the end of the day feeling good about themselves. Think about that. And as leaders, I think we can do that as well, right? What is it that we can do or say, or who can we talk to today that will send them home at the end of the day feeling good about what they accomplished that particular day? Perfect. Well. I can't thank you enough for being on today. I've really enjoyed the conversation both before I hit record and especially since we hit record, I could sit and talk with you for hours about leadership. So I really appreciate you being on. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure, privilege. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. 
Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.